Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing how do high interest rates play out in Canada's housing market. Mike, our Canadian government just raised interest rates a full percentage point all at once. Uh, probably the first country in the world to increase them as quickly as we have. Yeah. What's, what's the objective there? We've touched on this a little bit before in the past, but what are they trying to do? Like 1% seems to be a big increase. Well, there's a few things. Um, right, I'll go back to a bit of a, uh, a story. I had, uh, I know this one person that's uh, moved to Canada from out of the country. And again, uh, they had, they've moved in and they're an immigrant and they have a large mortgage. And we were talking one day and they said, uh, you know, the government's got to do something to control this interest rates on housing prices because, you know, they're going to they're gonna knock us so we're all bankrupt. And unfortunately, they don't really know economics. I went and started to uh, give them a lesson. I said, the government, it's not their problem to control interest rates on mortgages. It has nothing to do with that. The government has to control inflation, right? So all this raise in interest rates is about inflation. They have to really ignore the housing market because... If inflation continued to grow, and let's say we're at seven, eight percent, and let's say we end up in a situation where inflation's at 10% a year, and let's say that goes on for five years, right? Now, think of every pension plan that's indexed with inflation. They would all be bankrupt, right? There's no way they could ever survive that type of move, right? And even if you didn't have an indexed uh, pension plan, think of any old person living on a fixed pension plan, what would happen to the buying power? they would now have to eat 50% less food than they did this year. So the government's main goal is to control inflation rates because inflation has to stay in control. They got to bring that down to a normalized level of two to 3%. Otherwise everything falls apart. And again, with also with raising lower interest rates, they have to make sure they keep up with the US because if you think about it, interest rates, when you look at different countries, you're going to invest in a country that's more secure and has a higher interest payment. So if U.S. raises the interest rates and Canada doesn't, what happens to the Canadian dollar? You can get paid more in the U.S. It's a bigger, safer country. You're not going to invest in Canada. So the Canadian dollar will drop. So by easy, raising interest rates in Canada, not only are you hoping to curb inflation, slow it down, but you're also protecting your currency. You need to protect your currency because if your currency falls apart, that's inflationary. In Canada, how many things do you buy today that are made in Canada? Everything you buy is from outside of Canada. So if our Canadian dollar continues to drop, you won't be able to afford any goods that are imported in Canada, which is basically basically everything. You know, if you take a major purchase that you know we don't make really any cars in Canada. Yeah. All your cars come from abroad, and if the Canadian dollar went down ten percent and down into the sixties, those cars would immediately go up in price for us ten percent. So. So the government with interest rates, the housing market, I guess, is important, but it can't really be important to the government because uh, if you have a million dollar mortgage and it's more than you can afford, that's not really the government's fault. That's your fault, right? So you can't have the government bail you out on things that aren't their fault. Inflation is something that, uh, you know, the innocent are being affected by inflation. They didn't do anything to cause inflation, right? That just grabbed people. 
someone went out and, and overpaid for a mortgage and didn't expect interest rates to go up, that's their own fault. So the government's job is not to go and protect you and bail you out in that situation. So let's drill down and, and maybe you know look at a specific situation on just mortgage costs. So let's say someone had a purchased a new home and they had a, a half million or a $500,000 mortgage and they wanted to take it out over, over 30 years. Well, at the time, if you go back six months ago, interest rates were really low. You could get a variable rate for less than 2%, one and a half percent. And that was really attractive. You're borrowing half a million dollars at one and a half percent. You could have locked in for a five-year period, but it was closer to three and a half percent. Yep. Three, three and a half. So you were sort of really reluctant to do it. I'm getting one and a half versus three and a half. That's 2% a year, just on half a million dollars. That's $10,000 worth of interest difference. Yeah. So that's huge. Now that rates have started to creep up though, everything's changed. So let's look now at that fixed rate. Let's say you decide I want to get off this variable rate because it's gone from one and a half percent to now three and a half percent. Yeah. I want to lock in well the fixed rate is still higher now it's five percent yeah so do you want to lock into five yeah you're only at three and a half but if rates keep going up you may hit five really soon what if rates go to six or seven yeah i mean that was normal when we bought houses my first mortgage was i think eight percent what was yours at probably 12 yeah right like that's what it was i mean that was just part of and the difference like i put some numbers together you know, a 30-year $500,000 mortgage is 1846 a month to carry, right? If you put that up to 5%, it's 2668 a month. At 7%, it's 3293 a month. And so you look at that over a year, because it's easier to think of a year. So 22000 about that for, for a 2% mortgage. Your carrying cost for a 5% mortgage is about 32000 a year. And when you move up to 7%, you're up to $39,000 a year. So, so think of that's 17,000 more a year in mortgage payments out of 500,000 mortgage. So let's say you had 100,000 worth of household income, 30% is gone in taxes, you're left with 70,000. Yeah. 70,000 that you can spend on lifestyle, food, shelter, you name it. And of that 70, it's just gone up $10,000. Yeah. So you got to cut back somewhere else on that 10,000. Certainly travel's probably out the window. Yep. But you may have to make changes in, in other things because you can't risk your house. So you've got to change what you're eating. You can't, you can't be going out for dinner. You maybe have to stop buying clothes. Who knows what you have to give up, but you've got to make some drastic changes. And one thing I never realized too is when I talked to some people who have moved to Canada recently, We've had a great banking system. We don't appreciate how great of a banking system we have. Uh, it's very solid, it's very secure, and they were often massively low interest rates. If you're from other parts of the world, they don't have solid banking systems. People were paying, you know, 10 to 20 to 30% interest on mortgage. It blows people away, but if there's no banking system and you're doing mortgages on a, a country that isn't stable, people are paying these giant interest rates along the way. When you come over to Canada and you saw 2% mortgages, it seems like a why wouldn't you borrow that? 2% is almost free. It, it's hard to get closer to free money than 2%. So some people might have overextended themselves with this, uh, with these low interest rates. The other thing that it's not all bad news. With higher interest rates, definitely a mortgage would be more expensive. 
But what we're starting to see already is that housing prices have stalled and are starting to drop. They've dropped literally over the last 12 months. Price drops have happened across the country. Which is good for young people. Our biggest problem was young people couldn't afford houses. So one thing you have to remember is the, the carrying cost of a house and how much the interest is and how much it costs you month is a temporary thing. That adjusts all the time. Whatever you pay for a house is a permanent commitment. So you're better off paying less for a house with higher carrying charges and because it will fix itself out. Too yeah. many people worried about how much the carrying charges were rather than what they paid for the house. And they started to pay for you know, a house that used to be 700000 They were paying one and a half million because it was very cheap to carry. But that carrying has, cost has changed now. So now they're stuck with the debt they have. It's going to last for the rest of their life. That debt doesn't go away. So it's important to bring the housing prices down to a more of a reasonable level where people can afford it. So it's not a terrible thing. And there's a lot of people that are going to lose houses and have some bad, bad experience in this. We saw this back in the 90s too. And unfortunately, there's always collateral damage to these changes that happen, but they do have to happen too. It is, it is a tricky time to be, I buying your first house or, you know, doing an upgrade on a house, uh, you know, moving up, uh, up market, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe, maybe your mortgage has come for renewal and, you know, how do you do these? I guess the, the, the good news is, is the housing prices, if they've dropped a little bit, the house becomes a little more affordable. Maybe the mortgage is going to be a little higher, but but that may only be for the next three years until we get this inflation thing under control. Yeah. I mean, I've been wrong on housing prices for years. So, I mean, no one should listen to me on it, but I try to look at the different options. Like what can happen to housing prices? They, they can't go up, right? That doesn't make any sense. There's no way that we can have higher interest carries and the housing market's going to take off again. I just, it, it may happen. I may be totally wrong, but I can't see how it could, right? The other thing, unless people make a lot more money, it can't really stay the same unless everyone starts to make 10 or 15% more. As you were talking about before, you're going to have this extra big lump sum money you have to pay every year. Unless everyone gets a big raise, that's not going to happen. So the you other might have option, to get a second job. Yeah. So right? what are you left with? You're left with housing prices taking a bit of a fall. And, you know, I don't know how, how far they'll go or how long that will go, but that's uh, that's a good possibility. So are the banks the bad guys? Are they, you know, are they, are they the profiting from all of this rising interest rates and so on? Are they taking advantage of it? So that's something I think about a lot. And, you know, with higher interest rates, the margins do get better for the banks, but the banks aren't dictating the interest rates. Remember, interest rates come from the government. Uh, they're controlling the money supply. The banks have to react to that. So the banks do make more profits off high interest rates. But the one problem is the banks in for a long period of time have not, not had to deal with a lot of mortgage foreclosures and bad debt. I mean, we have CHMC in Canada, which is a mortgage insurance, which helps out a bit, but there is still a lot of money lost if uh, they have to start foreclosing on homes. It's, it's costly to the bank. So we don't know, hopefully that won't happen in, in a lot of the cases, but if it does, the banks are gonna to start to have to have some bad debt built into the books. Which would be bad for bank profits. So the bank, bank, banks may make more money because of the rising interest rates, but the downside is there's the foreclosures. So let's go to the commercial side. How will that all work out? What about commercial real estate? It's it seems to be in a flux. We've got lots of people working from home. We've got lots of office space, prime office space in major downtown cities 
that is 60 to 70% occupied. Yeah. And it's a shift, right? Because there we're, we're short on storage, right? So with all the warehouse and all that, they're dying for storage space. So we have a massive real estate shortage on that for warehousing. And then we have a massive surplus on the office space. So, I mean, there has to be some type of reposition of, of real estate, I guess. Uh, I really don't know how that all plays out. And if you end up in a recessionary period, again, the demand always drops during a recession too, which can affect the commercial real estate prices quite a bit. So we think the banks may take a little bit of a hit on uh, you know, personal mortgages and some foreclosures there. Who knows what happens on the corporate side? You know, some some of those office buildings, if they're too highly leveraged, may be in a difficult situation because they haven't got the income coming in. They can't survive on 60 to 70 percent of their income. Yeah. Well, hopefully people start to get back to work in offices soon. That would help that situation, too. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.